Hey, hey, kids, we're a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right. We're the podcast that explores the American animated sitcom The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond. Why seasons 11 and beyond, you ask? Well, an entity known as the Will of Random has trapped us and forced us to watch the newer episodes when they're available. I say we because I'm an annoyed grunt boy named Steve, and with me, as always, is the other annoyed grunt boy. My name's Craig. Hello, Craig. How's it going this week? I think this is the only time Homer says my name, and <laughs> Craig. it's very fast. Craig. Well, the other ones were like Craig and Amy, Craig and Amy. It was just, it was just Craig and Amy. It, there wasn't one just that was Craig in yeah. this episode. So I'm getting the best I can get is Craig. And it just sounds like Craig. <laughs> Hopefully our fans get it. Yeah. Speaking of fans, have uh, we got some uh, shout outs recently, Steve? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, first off, from uh, the Simpsons Watch Along podcast, which is another great Simpsons podcast that I highly recommend, uh, mentioned us from last week and we saying that they LOL'd at uh, Bite My Pussy and uh, Simpson Homer and Bouvier Dad, uh, which we discussed when we were talking about oh, yeah. Alone Again, Natural Diddly. Uh, <laughs> uh, when we were talking about what uh, Lisa's profanity was that the Flanderuses were trying to avoid and also what was etched into the tree. I think it's funny that, you know, I think women can use the term like suck my dick. You know, that's just like you're yelling at someone, right? Yeah. But I think as a man and women could use this too, I think saying just bite my pussy is very fun to say. Cause then you like, if there's a conflict going on and you're trying to alleviate the situation, maybe with a little humor and there's like tense going on, you know, to say bite my pussy. I think that'd be great. I think it has a certain power to it that I, I really like, like, yeah, it, it sounds so violent and just like, yeah. Um, but yeah, they say love in the season 11 breakdowns. Keep up the good work. It's very nice. Thank and you. Also from that episode, listener Andrea said that she thinks potatoes are neat as well. So I think that's very sweet of you because I mentioned my tattoo that I want to get uh, <laughs> referencing uh, Marge and her uh, love of potatoes, which I also have. And also my uh, tendency towards hyper-focused obsessions like The Simpsons. And so, yeah, uh, very nice. Appreciate all the shout outs and any sort of feedback from the fans. Yes, we want to hear more from you guys. Uh, yeah, simple. Uh, they reached out on Instagram, of course, at one three Simpsons. And, uh, you know, there's also our email, which is uh, 13simpsons at gmail.com. And if you want to leave a voicemail, you can do that, too. Uh, yeah. Just scroll through the show's notes and there'll be a little button. And that's simple, too. Um, yeah. Appreciate all the, the positive feedback. Steve is hyper-focused on all of your comments. And more so, he's hyper-focused on uh, alcohol. That's right. I mean, to a healthy degree. Hopefully. Okay, that's true. Uh, but that does bring us to our favorite segment, The Simpsons Beer Corner. All righty, Craig, what have you got for us uh, this week? Well, a lot of like fun ideas from this episode. Like it starts off with a British sitcom. So obviously like, well, I could just get some sort of British lager and drink that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of did. Mm-hmm. You know, most of my beer reviews center around our day and time of uh, of living. And so when we're recording this episode, of course, it's uh, September and, you know, in September, we celebrate Oktoberfest. I know it's weird, you know, because you think the term Oktoberfest, you celebrate in October. But no, you celebrate Oktoberfest in September. Mm-hmm. So much like in August, how we celebrate pumpkin ale for October, <laughs> we 
we celebrate Oktoberfest in September. So now everyone's got their Oktoberfest ales out in the store. So I got to try Oktoberfest, which pretty much is, is similar to, you know, um, the episode, you know, because PBS with the, the, the sitcom from England, you know, England's next to Germany somewhere. Sure. <laughs> They're close enough. Uh, but my ale is an Oktoberfest lager. It's actually not from England or Germany or anywhere in, in, in the old country. It's, it's from our good old United States. Uh, specifically in Bremerton, Washington, oh. uh, Silver City. And I've done Silver City Brewery many times on this podcast. It feels like we're sponsored by Silver City. <laughs> and if you want it to be, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, we'd take that, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we've said anything negative about your beers yet. But yeah, this is just their uh, Oktoberfest lager. No description, you know, it's just an Oktoberfest lager. Uh, we got 6.2% alcohol. So for like a lager, that's pretty high up. Yeah. And your lagers use you around like a four to a five. Mm-hmm. It's a nice ambery color, light, smells like a beer. Mm-hmm. This is surprisingly refreshing. You know how sometimes you just want like a nice, light, crisp lager? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like in summertime, you know, that's kind of what you want. And then once you get more towards the fall, yeah, you get your Oktoberfest ales. And a lot of times they be a little darker, a little heavier. This one sips like I'm drinking a, a, an Oktoberfest ale or even like a, a Belgian triple or whatever, right? Hmm. But the lightness of this feels like a lager. Like this is like, wow, I, I could be drinking this. I would rather drink this like, you know, over any American lager. And technically this is an American lager because it was mm-hmm. brewed in America. But just the flavor has an actual flavor and not just taste like, uh, you know, quote unquote piss beer, like a, your buds or your coors right right for your your american lagers this is surprisingly smooth and has a great aftertaste i highly recommend if you can get your hand on this for oktoberfest season Ooh. it just drinks really smooth and it's really well done like high high praise to caesar on this uh how about you steve oh well craig they uh in this episode they take a trip to the islands and so i wanted to go for something tropical so i have uh from jester king out of austin texas snorkel and the can is a uh, pretty uh, tropical looking it's kind of an underwater kind of a reef and a very very colorful can kind of evocative of the island and uh you know ocean lifestyle um but the beer itself is a farmhouse ale brewed with smoked sea salt and mm. oyster mushrooms uh, so it's a very interesting beer. It comes in at a 4.3%, so pretty light for uh, beer. But farmhouse ales, you know, aren't super boozy normally. Um, oh, weird. Has a very kind of cloudy, kind of off-yellow color. Uh, I'll describe what Steve is doing. He's looking at his beer. Like, he hasn't poured it into the glass. He's just looking inside the can and the hole. So it's I don't know why he's describing it now. Because Very dark. Oh, yeah, yeah. So maybe if he just pours in the glass and there he goes. Ah, <laughs> right. uh, yes, there it is. Yep. Now Steve's taking a sip. And while he takes a sip, I'm going to talk about uh, my favorite scene in uh, Tale of Two Cities. It's in chapter 19, page, uh, the third page from chapter 19, in the fifth edition that you have there in your head. I hope you have it. Okay. So the sentence starts. Oh, Steve wants to talk. Okay, go ahead, oh, yeah. Steve. What do got? Yeah. I always enjoy your literary talks. But uh, yeah, this is a very interesting beer. Uh, cloudy yellow color. Um, really big head on it. Uh, very, uh, very frosty. But you can uh, taste the sea salt. Ooh, I it, like that. Yeah, and it kind of plays well nicely because 
there's kind of a tart kind of funkiness to it. It's not sour, but it does kind of have like a pleasant bitterness to it uh, from the natural yeast. And I think the salt kind of balances that out a little bit. So it's almost like um, a salty lemon in a really good way. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, it's a very interesting beer that I, I don't know. Like, it's one that you sip and you enjoy. It's not like you knock back a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. But I really think it's a fun and interesting beer. Like, it's a unique uh, New York. different beer. Unique New York. <laughs> it's uh, like uh, red leather, yellow leather. Do you ever just add salt to like a beer, like a skunky beer, just to? Yeah, I've done that before. It, it actually kind of yeah. helps. Yeah, like a lot of like yeah, if you like hams or something like that, you know, you just add a little bit of salt and it enhances the flavor. Yeah, and I also um, with like a Mexican lager too, like a, a squirt of uh, lime and some salt kind of really uh, bumps it up a little bit. So yeah, yeah, lime in any beer, especially a crappy beer, can turn it uh, turn it around. Yeah, I agree. Um, but this one, I don't think needs it. I think it's a uh, good the way it is. So snorkel from uh, Jester King, well done. Good job, snorkels. That's right, and the snorks, but not you, show. Smurfs. Nope, yeah. you guys suck. Um, <laughs> All right, so Craig, those were our beers. Now let's take a step back, back in time, <laughs> all the way back to February 20th, 2000. What were we watching in that old box office? Well, I haven't seen the first eight of these movies, but uh, it was the whole nine yards. So I'm, I'm assuming the whole one through eight yards were pretty good. Yeah, I would assume so. God, I feel like I did see this movie in theaters. I think I feel like I rented it at Hollywood Video at some point. It's Matthew Perry and Bruce Willis, I think. Yeah. I think after this movie came out, Bruce Willis actually had a recurring role on Friends because Ross was dating his daughter. Oh, yeah. And I think maybe Rachel was dating him. But it was kind of like he was annoyed with Ross because Ross sucks. Uh, let's talk about uh, music and the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100, Thank God I Found You by Mariah Carey featuring Joe and 98 Degrees. Joe. I don't know, but it's funny because there was also a, a rapper in the mid 90s called Fat Joe. Okay. So I don't know if he lost a bunch of weight and just became Joe or if this is a different person altogether. But what I'm finding out is when we listen to the number one songs of the decade where we were like teens, mm-hmm. that I obviously did not listen to pop music at the time. I mean, I know who Mariah Carey is and 98 Degrees, and I know like Mariah Carey's hits, but I don't even, I don't even think i've ever heard of this song until we just now played it yeah but i'm gonna sing it every time i find my remote control because <laughs> i'm always like thank god i found you it's funny this song's about god or no, it's not about god it's just like you know and thank god i i don't have genitals or herpes anymore but like you know this episode we're gonna watch the simpsons has some godliness in it and then last mm-hmm. week we lost a godly character and even the song from savage garden from last week was kind of like pseudo religiously because he talks about you're my angel and bullshit like that yeah yeah and also you know in this episode that we're about to watch homer goes to an island and i'm pretty sure it's pretty warm there probably about 98 degrees yeah and probably one of the natives is named joe because they couldn't pronounce his name in the native tongue yeah just hey joe 
<laughs> uh, so speaking of that episode, it's called Missionary Impossible, in which Homer is forced to become a missionary on a remote island after he pledges a large sum of money to PBS. All right. Oh, we've all been there, Steve. Oh, yeah. Just want to watch more British sitcoms. And so you just make a promise you can't make. And we yeah. promise to be right back after these messages. We'll be right back. You're watching PBS. And we're back. Today we're talking about Missionary Impossible, the 15th episode of the 11th season. It originally aired on February 20th, 2000. It is episode 241 in the show's run. The nerd code is BABF11. It was written by Rob Haig, directed by Stephen Dean Moore, and your showrunner is Mike Scully. All right, Ron Haig. This is technically our first episode, full episode that he wrote that we reviewed because he did Life is a Glitch, Then You Die in Treehouse of Horror 10. Mm-hmm. So this is our, our full episode. And the I think this is the one. only one. Yeah, because he's written uh, five other episodes of The Simpsons, but we can't review those. He's done Homer's Phobia, which is... I think considered a classic. Mm -hmm. The Canine Mutiny, which I also love. Yep. Miracle on Evergreen Terrace. That sounds like a Christmas episode. I believe it is the one where Bart burns down the presents. Oh, right. So they steal everybody else's presents for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's not in our seasons. No, that's season 10, my friend. Wow. It just feels like it's a more recent episode, like a little beyond. Uh, he did the Dumbbell Identity. That's from the season Power 10. Sauce episode. Oh, so. no. Uh, Dumbbell Indemnity is one where Mo dates Helen Hunt. And so he has Homer commit insurance fraud so he can make money. And that's not part of our saga. I, I feel like that's a newer one, too, because that was a know, big right? one. It was that was when Hank Azaria was still married to Helen Hunt. So it was a big like Helen Hunt, wife of Hank Azaria, guest starring yeah. finally on on the Simpsons, and then uh, and then finally married to the mob, which of course has uh, all Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill. I do like be that a Jedi tonight. Yeah. yeah, that's a great episode. But uh, he also wrote not Mark Hamill, but Ron <laughs> wrote uh, Red and Stimpy episodes. You know, he's got a couple with as a soul writer, then a lot with a, a co-writer, and then a couple episodes of Ma- Rocco's Modern Life. Hmm. And uh, wasn't that show supposed to come back? Or did uh, it? yeah, well, they did the movie. For Netflix. I didn't even know there was one. Yeah, and it was kind of interesting because I believe somebody was was trans in the episode, and I thought that was really progressive, and they didn't make a big deal about it. It just was. I I, I feel like we had this conversation, and it probably was our 92nd episode for Treehouse of 410. Could be, because that was probably about the time it came out. It was a few years ago. Okay. Then we probably talked about this too, the two episodes of Seinfeld, The Marine Biologist and Fusilli Jerry, which are two two pretty big episodes. Yeah, come to my mind, The Marine Biologist. That's definitely the one where it ends with George pulling the golf ball out of the well, right? Mm -hmm. Great episode. And the Fusilli Jerry is Kramer makes a bunch of uh, pasta models of people. (laughs) You're Fusilli Jerry because you're comedian. You're silly. (laughs) You're silly. Yeah. And that's the one with uh, the ass man. Oh, wow. A million to one shot, Doc. 
I'll have to I'll have to rewatch some Seinfeld. I think I did start a rewatch a few years ago, but I didn't get past like maybe season three. And it wasn't I was just, you know, there was other things on. It might have been like late pandemic when like, oh, now there, there's new content finally coming out. And it was like, yeah, yeah I'll abandon it. Well, we'll probably have plenty of time for revisiting shows this season. Right. <laughs> now we have the writers and actors pandemic. Indeed. Of greedy studios. That's right. Uh, Craig, do we have a chalkboard gag to get us started? Why we do, Steve. Right. Yeah, it says uh, a belch is not an oral report. Um, that's a pretty obvious of why. Yeah. Bart would be get, you know, Krabappel's like, all right, Bart, uh, give us your report on uh, Jebediah Springfield and he just burps. And uh, mm-hmm. that's that. Steve, do we have a couch gag? We sure do. Uh, so the living room is a subway station with a tile mosaic that says Evergreen Terrace. The uh, Simpsons sit on the couch until their uh, train arrives and they hop on it and ride away. Very cute. Very nice. Steve, when you were in the big old city, the Windy Apple, the uh, <laughs> Mile High City, the City of Angels, <laughs> the Rose City. The first, second city. And uh, the rest. New York City, <laughs> Steve. Uh, did you ride the old Subarunio? We did not. I really wanted to, but uh, <laughs> Laura was afraid. Yeah. Well, so I guess you didn't see the Simpsons down there in the couch. All right, that's cool. Nope. The only right. subway I'm afraid of is one that has Jared Fogel. <laughs> All right, Steve. Uh, we got the uh, chalkboard gag. We got the couch gag. But is there an episode? I hope so, or else we have nothing to talk about. Or we could just, you know, clock off early and go to the bar. Oh, yeah. No, our episode begins, as it always does, with Homer watching TV. The announcer on screen informs Homer that he's watching PBS. Bart is shocked by this, and Homer is surprised too, but he stumbled upon the most delicious British sitcom called Do Shut Up. It's about a hard-drinking yet loving family of soccer hooligans. Homer explains that they're uh, when they're not having a go with a bird, they're having a row with a wanker. Uh, we then see two British hooligans chugging giant steins of beer in front of a Christmas tree in a dilapidated apartment. One of the men wishes the other a jolly sonny Xmas major and then smashes him with a beer bottle. The other man states that he got a smash on the noggin last year and then beats the first guy with a tire iron. Just then, their maternal figure steps in. Not in my parlor, you don't... Guard me on! Oh, I'm scolded, I am! (laughs) (laughs) The mother's the voice of reason. Here come the cricket bats. You don't have the cobbles. (laughs) Classic. Not hard to see why it's England's longest-running series, and today we're showing all seven episodes. Hey, what the hell's going on? If you like great PBS programs like Do Shut Up and Shut Your Gob, you'll want to support our pledge drive. Pledge drive? That's right, Betty White. Absolutely. If you watch even one second of PBS and don't contribute, you're a thief. A common thief. Okay, take it easy, Betty. Sorry, but these thieves make me so damn mad. You know who you are. Thieves! You're mad! Where's my show? So that's uh, beloved uh, Golden Girl and uh, Mary Tyler Moore star and animal rights advocate Betty White playing herself. Um, I think at the time, the fact that she said damn was probably shocking. Yeah, this is kind of before the whole Betty White renaissance that happened in like the mid 2000s maybe yeah i guess it's when she she reached maybe like uh 90 she, she kept working up until you know yeah she, she'd have like the, sitcoms on like <laughs> tv land or whatever yeah she kept working up to to the day that until that uh that train hit her right was that how she died i think so yeah i know she like overdosed on fentanyl i think <laughs> they found her in an opium den 
she uh, had a belt around her neck and she was (laughs) taking care of business. She had like a 14 inch like strap on and like ball gag in her mouth. I think she like carved like 666 and pentagrams in her skin with like a knife. (laughs) She was a piece of work, that Betty White. Oh, yeah. Uh, I do like the joke of the longest running British sitcom. So we're showing all seven episodes. You know, like the the classic John Cleese sitcom Faulty Towers. You think that like that was on for so many years because they probably showed it on PBS beginning of PBS, right? Right. But again, there was only like thirteen episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and again, There's... the classic, the classic UK Office. You know, that's kind of like our generation's like big UK comedy import. And there's only what you know, uh, thirteen episodes. Is that right? Because there was what two I... seasons. And yeah, the and then the special? Special specials. But yeah, yeah. I think about like. Um, like Toast of London or like uh, like some of the Matt Berry shows that I love. And yeah, there's only like six episodes of them. And yeah, Garth McGinney's Dark Place. Yeah, like yeah. Six great episodes. The the UK Ghosts, which mm-hmm. are probably at this. Yeah, the UK Ghosts had maybe four. Se- it's it's still. I don't think it's it's over yet. I think they're still doing new episodes of the UK Ghosts. But you know, I'm I'm assuming the the US Ghosts has already surpassed the amount of episodes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And it's only been on for the season for like two years. <laughs> they have 48 episodes. It's so weird. Like we have the, the the streaming episodes of TV are about 10 episodes. And now we're getting away with like some of the Disney shows being about eight episodes and some six episodes. Mm-hmm. And then you still have like network TVs. Like, well, you still have to do 22 episodes. Yeah, it's weird. It's like there could be a more variety on network TV, but yeah. Also, I'm a little annoyed because it's not universal. Because like my two favorite uh, cartoons for the this season have been uh, Harley Quinn and My Adventures with Superman, and I'm they're done with Superman because that was only eight episodes. But there's like thirteen of Harley Quinn, and so it's got my week screwed up because I'm used to one night <laughs> watching one and then the next night watching the other, and so I forgot when one was over. I thought they were both over, and and it's just weird. It's funny going on like Max and watching the wholesome superman show that's like a positive message and and then going to the harley queen like the complete opposite of just like everyone's a dick yeah people get murdered (laughs) and uh that shows a lot of hey i'll Um, take i'll take 13 episodes of harley quinn oh yeah me too i'm not complaining about too much content because it it kind of feels like every episode could be like a season finale because there's always a good cliffhanger it's a good show and i never know when it's going to end and so that's a good Good uh, testament to the writers for keeping us on the edge of our seats. I feel like if you're playing the uh, annoyed grunt boy drinking game at home, take a shot (laughs) because we mentioned Harley Quinn again. That's right. And we haven't mentioned like anything about the other like Matt Grady universe show that's on the air, which is Futurama. Or season five of Disenchantment South. Isn't is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, where a friend of the show, Bill Oakley, wrote on that show. Yeah. Uh, but he can't promote it. Did, did he just only write like a couple episodes from the first season? I think so. I don't think he's super involved. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know. I Steve, I haven't even finished the last, the previous season of Disenchanted. It's okay. Neither have I. And... Uh, I'm probably behind a couple episodes of Futurama. Here's the problem. I love Futurama, but every time I turn it on, it's always at the end of the night when I'm sleepy. So I always like kind of fall asleep. Yeah. And Futurama also used to be a show that I would turn on to fall asleep to. Not like in a bad way, but you know how you turn. No, on. no, it's a comforting show. It's a comforting show. So maybe it's just like my brain is associated with watching Futurama before bed mm-hmm. years ago. Um, Simpsons, I've tried doing Simpsons, but like I was waiting for the punchline that I already know. So it's, exactly. It keeps my brain up too much. 
Anyway, Steve, we're not here to talk about uh, other cartoons or uh, British shows. I think we're here to just talk about the shortest animated television show of all time, The Simpsons, right? That's right. But speaking of British sitcoms Ooh, and British up. TV in general, uh, on Channel 4 and Sky, when Homer and Bart are talking about the show, Homer's language of wanker and the son's use of sodding in Jolly Sodding Christmas Major was banned in the UK because it was considered vulgar and words like wankers too vulgar to use. However, they didn't cut out the violence of like a bottle being broken or the tire iron or the mother sculpting them with hot water. So just kind of fun. It's weird because you associate like British TV is they, they try to cut out all the violence. Right. And like nudity and language isn't an issue, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of European, especially British television. You think of nudity and and foul language. Yep. I'm like, oh, fuck, some boobs. Yeah. That's why Doctor Who is so popular. Yeah. It's all the penises. Yeah. He's like, oh, hey, look at me, Sonic Screwdriver. We just thought that was like some sort of device. No, it's just his hog. Mm-hmm. And Dalek is just a dick. Yeah. Cyberman. They're just, you know, sex dolls. Mm-hmm. I think we were watching the wrong Doctor Who. <laughs> all right. Well, Steve, uh, the uh, PBS host is about to... Return to the BritCom, but before he does, he tells the viewers that with their donation, they'll receive a classic PBS tote bag. And this frustrates Homer, who just wants to get back to the show. Betty White offers an umbrella with the picture of the classic PBS tote bag on it. It's a very <laughs> funny joke. And the man states that the next 20 callers will get an album of museum noises, which transforms your music room into the Metropolitan Museum in New York City with the echoey footsteps and a little gentle cough. So Homer feels he's being tortured as Betty White continues her plea, saying that she's worked with many actors who have phoned it in. <laughs> who, who thinks she's talking about there? Mary Tyler Moore? B. Arthur. B. Arthur, yeah. Still Getty. Yeah, she knows what she does. Yeah, after after Stop Where My Mom Will Shoot, you know, she was just a big diva. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now it's uh, the viewer's turn to uh, turn to the phone and uh, make their pledge. Steve, do you so... remember... Uh, did you ever watch like PBS? Oh yeah, Elfons as a kid. Uh, we were a big PBS family. My dad really liked the cooking and painting instructional shows. You know, your uh, Martin Yan or your uh, Julia Childs or your uh, uh, painting guy uh, Bob Ross. Do you remember uh, the Frugal Gourmet? Oh yeah, uh, pedophile, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. We had the cookbook uh, <laughs> um, that did not offer any tips on pedophilia, but just. <laughs> You know, had like good clam chowder or whatever. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Matt Gates. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we watched a lot of PBS and I do remember a lot of the pledge drives. In fact, my dad would figure out when they were. So he'd VCR or he'd record stuff on his VCR like Agatha Christie Murder. Yeah, Agatha Christie Murders Mysteries. Okay, Perro. Indeed, Miss Marple, the like. And he would time it so that he would not have to record the pledges. So he'd cut off like 10 minutes on either end of the show. Of the actual content or the pledges? Of the pledges. So uh, yeah. like, I just want the I just want the pledges. That's that's fine. Yeah, that's what I want. Uh yeah, I mean, like as a kid, I think I have the idea of PBS pledge drives stuck in my head because of those, and then also watching a lot of family ties, which weren't like half of the <laughs> episodes about pledge drives at PBS. Yeah, because was it Michael or Elise who worked for that? It was Michael, right? Uh, yeah, the dad. Yeah, yeah. Because she was like a a lawyer. That's right. No, no, an architect. Architect. That's right. Those those are the jobs that people can have on but TV you, or movies. Yeah, you have architect, lawyer, doctor, ad exec. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Maybe psychologist. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I just but like the PBS shows I grew up with, I think Frugal Gourmet, like you said, like the Julia Child's Lowe's cooking shows, Bob Ross. I mean, of course, we had our kids' shows too. I yeah. Mean, you know, I would watch, you know, every week I would see LeVar Burton twice, you know, because I'd watch Reading Rainbow and then uh we had Roots on VHS and I just watched that a lot. Sure. Oh, Star Trek the Next Generation. <laughs> um <laughs> and then like uh who's the other oh like uh, uh the this old house mm-hmm. i think that's still on yeah um God, i haven't turned over to pbs in a while but that's where the you know it kind of got popular again when they would show like denton abbey mm-hmm. before streaming was around right yeah because that was almost yeah like oh you gotta catch downtown abbey on pbs you know mm-hmm. watch it after you watch the sopranos <laughs> No, I don't think Denton Abbey was around when Sopranos were. But you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was appointment television for a lot of people. Uh, and then every now and then, like, they'd show like independent movies or documentaries that were interesting to me, even as a kid, because I was a dork. And there was also a chance of nudity. Yeah, uh, on you PBS, might got to see some titties. It was great. Yeah, but now look at yourself, PBS. Look what you've done. <laughs> look what you've become. Uh, I haven't turned over PBS in a long time, so I have no idea. Yeah, they're probably fine. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, so they're probably showing uh, The Simpsons now. Yeah, <laughs> they're just showing the Golden Age. Yeah, or no, they're just showing the uh, Tracy Ullman shorts only. Right, right. Which, yeah, that sounds about PBS. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, so Miss White goes on to say that they're only ten thousand dollars away from returning to Do Shut Up, which Homer sees as an opportunity. So he picks up the phone and pledges uh, ten thousand dollars anonymously to get them to shut up. When Bart reminds Homer that he doesn't have that kind of money, Homer laughs, figuring they'll never find him. And then a thermometer chart on screen shows that PBS has just reached their goal of $10,700. This is very funny. It is. Uh, And thanks to Instatrace, Betty White knows that the donor was Homer Simpson of 742 Evergreen Terrace. I looked it up. Instatrace is not a phone thing anymore, but it is a weird, like, medical device. Okay. Uh, Homer regrets registering with Instatrace as the PBS pledge enforcement van heads to the Simpsons household. So, like, at the time, Instatrace was a, a, a thing, or... It may have been, or it could just been a fun word. I mean, I just imagine like the only use of it would be if you call 911, that they know exactly where you're calling from. Yeah. Which I always thought was weird. It was like, why doesn't 911 know where this phone call is coming from? Yeah, that is weird. I feel like they of all people should know. Like, I think uh, Domino's now has a thing (laughs) where they will track you down. (laughs) So like you can get a pizza delivered to the side of the road if you want. Yeah. I didn't pay my pizza bill. They're coming after me, Steve. Oh, no. Pizza collections. I got to avoid the noid. Break my legs. Wouldn't that be great if like Domino's had a credit line, (laughs) their own credit (laughs) card? Yeah. We're like, you know, it's just a Visa or MasterCard, whatever. You can use it anywhere. But, you know, you get 5% cash back, 5% Mm. uh, pizza bucks cash back if you order using the Domino's card. I mean, I would get it. I would I would get that credit card just for like 5% off my pizza. Yeah, that could be good. Domino's, like all the food, like Taco Bell should have a credit card. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, you know, how like we have just too many uh, uh, streamer services. We got their Netflixes and Hulus and Disney Pluses, like a credit <laughs> card for each place that you go to just so you can get like 5% cash back. Right. Just a few points. Yeah. I mean, they kind of already do that. You know, you got you could get your Lowe's credit card or your Best Buy credit card or, you know, your Kroger credit card. So I think they ha- kind of have it. But I want more of a yeah. food specific one. Like I want my McDonald's and a mm-hmm. Burgerville. <laughs> you know, I want all those credit cards just so I can get like, uh, you know, and once you get like 10 pizzas from Domino's, they give you 10 free ones. 
Yeah, I like this. This is a good I, idea. Not to, yeah. Yeah, Domino's. Get on it. Um, yeah, I always wonder that too, like when uh, people call the PBS to make donations. And do they do it and just like hang up and laugh? Yeah. <laughs> or to get that, it, that tote bag. I, yeah, I always wondered like, because it was also weird too, because the prizes are not the prizes, but the donation, the things that you got for donating money were always kind of crappy. Like the, the tote bags are the obvious joke, but also like if they were showing like a great performances of like the Boston Tops Live, you're watching it. And then you can get like, if you spend like $120, you get a CD. Or cassette tape at the time. or Exactly. And like, I know it's all in the name of charity for public broadcasting, which is very important. I'm a big proponent of it, but it just seemed like eh, that's kind of sucks. It's like, ooh, I got a T-shirt. And now, you know, you have it for a couple months until, you know, it's donated to Goodwill. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope PBS is still doing well because with all the streamers these days. Yeah, I know that uh, the previous presidential uh, administration tried to really cut their funds. Mm-hmm. Not a political podcast, but that sucks. So hopefully uh, the Biden administration is better about their public funding because uh, I think it's an important thing. And uh, I think yeah. that uh, Sesame Street especially is a very important show. Um, yeah. And just let's, other things. Let's just hope in 2024 when uh, Ron DeSantis becomes president, uh, it'll be a priority for him, right? Yeah, I'm sure he'll be <laughs> right on top of that. <laughs> okay, well, Homer begs Bart for help and hops out of the living room window. Uh, and then onto his swing set. It's a very funny visual gag. I like this because yeah. he knows he's in trouble, but then Bart like doesn't use the door. Also, mm-hmm. that's like the front yard. <laughs> he jumps out of the window, but then he, like Bart had an urge to then just like that. Uh, was it like his uh, attention deficit disorder? Like he could be. Yeah, he's like trying to run away. He's like, oh, never mind. It's like, oh, sweet, a swing. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's very funny to me. So as the camera crew arrives, Homer tries to calm himself, telling himself by saying he'll do the talking. So he's just talking to himself. <laughs> very funny scene. And then uh, they announce Homer on PBS as the a man who saved PBS. And Lisa sees his TV on display at a store where Marge is buying greeting cards by the pound. It's like $5 <laughs> a pound for greeting cards. It's very funny way out greeting cards. What store are they at? <laughs> I don't know. The television and greeting card store. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I went and got a greeting card the other day and it's uh, as this record, you know, we don't like to timestamp it, but it is, uh, you know, it's it's well to say it's the first week of September of uh, 2023 and I'm getting a, a birthday card. And, you know, of course, they already have like a whole aisle of of uh, Halloween cards, which did you <laughs> ever get a Halloween card when you were a kid? I don't think so. Yeah. I actually I feel like my mother-in-law today uh, in modern times does send us a, <laughs> a Halloween card with like a twenty-five dollar uh, Target gift card inside, which is very nice. <laughs> it's nice, uh, but Halloween not necessary. Not a, a, yeah, a, a gift-giving day. No, and it's it's for kids to get candy and for twenty-somethings to dress up and get drunk. Right, like we don't even get trick-or-treaters. Yeah, um, unless somebody else in my household decorates. I don't even realize it's Halloween <laughs> until you go to the store. But that's like yeah. in, in August. You're like, oh, must be Halloween. Yeah. The and then I just wait until November 1st to buy myself a, a lot of peanut butter <laughs> yeah. cups. Um, but then also in the cards, they also had Thanksgiving cards already out. What? I'm tempted just to buy one a Thanksgiving card and just like send it to you. <laughs> like, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> like, it's getting close. Like, I guarantee you, it's the first week of September. <sighs> When do we start seeing Christmas stuff? I'm saying I would like say early October. Early October. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll keep uh, I'll keep Christmas tracking because 
Um, pumpkin Spice. Look, I already reviewed a pumpkin ale maybe like two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And already in August, we're getting pumpkin spice flavored things. So, yeah, Christmas isn't too far around the corner for uh, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you know when uh, <laughs> when uh, the uh, Valentine's Day stuff is up and the St. Patrick's Day stuff is up, too. That'll probably be in a couple weeks. That's right. Uh, anyway, so um, Marge is seeing uh, Homer on TV and she's wondering if uh, the, they're showing uh, police chases now on uh, PBS because that's the only reason why Homer would be on TV. <laughs> and then uh, Homer on TV makes a speech. It's an honor to give $10,000, especially now when the rich mosaic of cable programming has made public television so very, very unnecessary. From now on, one of us always stays home. Agreed. Well said, Homer. And now for the moment of generosity. Will cash be okay? Absolutely. Well, then we got a problem. The banks are closed by now. It's 12.15. Maybe your movie star banks are open crazy hours. But we in Springfield are simple folk. We like our cars fast and our banks closed. Okay, fine, we'll go down there. But they're not going to be open. Yeah, it's a real ghost town in there. (laughs) Get in there. I'd like to withdraw $10,000, please. You are on television. Please play along. Are you robbing me? I'll pay you later. Um, is there a problem, Mr. Simpson? Uh, man, I love the, uh, Homer asking, is cash okay? (laughs) Of course (laughs) cash is okay. Well, that's gonna be a problem. Yeah, just the visual of, like, people walking in and out of the bank and, like, the clearness (laughs) of the windows. I'm just, like, with his head looking in, like, yeah, I don't see anything. (laughs) Just classic Homer, and, of course, the big teller, just, are you you robbing me? (laughs) I, I think that we really like when there's, like, people like that who are just, like, normal human people, and they're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's always funny. Like, realizing he is on TV. Also wearing like Homer's shirt. Exactly, yeah. And he kind of looks like a little bit like Frank Grimes, a little bit, just a little bit wider face. Yeah, he could have been like Grimes' long lost brother. Uh, I think there was already an episode with Grimes' long lost brother, wasn't there? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Did we Uh, reviewed it? Probably. I don't know. Uh, So Homer stutters and then attempts to stab the PBS man with a pen, but the pen is unfortunately tethered to a counter uh, with a chain, uh, making it unable to reach the guy. Homer cries out that he can't do it. He can't kill a man. And then tries to stab the guy in the penis. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> Again, with that success. I know that like there's been a lot of comedians that have made jokes about bank pens. Uh, uh, but I, I, penises. <laughs> um, that too. Um, and bank penises. But yeah. Um, I think that this one is successful. The just uh, the so, idea of like he's trying to go for the harp, but then just like jabbing <laughs> down at the crotch level. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> very funny. Uh, so Betty White tries to reason with Homer, saying that he was trying to stab his financial problems away. She then snaps her fingers and the cast of Do Shut Up arrives, ready to beat Homer up. I just also like how the cast of the TV show he was watching was there. Yeah. Like, it's a British import. <laughs> Why do they care about PBS? Right. Because it probably uh, aired on, like, the BBC in, like, 1983 yeah. or something. Right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to bring up. We also had Doctor Who, that, that sex show on PBS. That's how I watched Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Homer runs out of the bank and is chased by the PBS rep, Betty White, the do shut up hooligans and the other PBS icons, such as uh, Mr. Rogers, who says it's a beautiful day to kick Homer's ass. <laughs> uh, the cellist uh, Yo-Yo Ma, who is shooting a cello bows at uh, Homer saying, you die now. Uh, then there's Garrison Keillor. Pervert. The cellist... What's that? He's a pervert. Oh, 
I thought you were calling me a pervert. I mean, you might be too, but that's true. He got canceled. So what did he do? He was uh, a little touchy and a little weird with the people of uh, Lake Wobegon. <laughs> the whole yeah. lake? The whole lake. Wow. Well, uh, there's also the Teletubbies. So they're also perverts, right? Yeah. Uh, they use the symbols on their heads as lasers. And then Big Bird, who just like soars down from the skies and has that like sound effect is very funny. <laughs> uh, and then Homer evades the mob and shouts bingo. And then we see the first church of Springfield, which has, says bingo at seven. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Uh, so Homer runs into the church and uses a tithing basket to uh, block the doors. He shouts sanctuary and Reverend Lovejoy shows regret teaching Homer that word as he uh, tombs the pipe organ, kind of like an auto mechanic, which I think is funny. Yeah. Uh, so Homer tries to make his plea to the Reverend and then a trash can flies through the stained glass window uh, and it has inside of it two familiar Muppet-like creatures. Quick, you gotta hide me from PBS. Their bloodthirsty pursuit is made possible by a grant from the Chubb Group. Give us the money! Elmo knows where you live! Please help me, I'll do anything. I'll light a candle. I'll help with your next charity scam. The word is drive. Sure, sure, Pop's your uncle. Let's just get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to see here, people. Just headed down to the dump with these children's letters to God. We'll send you someplace safe till the heat dies down. Great, but why am I on a plane? Homer, how would you like to be a missionary in the South Pacific? South Pacific? I didn't agree to... What? Wait! I'm no missionary. I don't even believe in Jeebus. Let me out! Does this begin the whole Homer saying Jeebus from now on? This is the first instance of Homer saying Jeebus, yes. And he does several times in this episode, but yeah. that, that right there was the first. I don't understand when Homer says to Reverend Lovejoy uh, and Bob's your uncle. I don't uh, I don't get that. Is that a reference uh, to something? Uh, so it is British slang. Similar to, well, it kind of used to be like similar to that's what she said. Okay. It's kind of a, a slang to say like everything's cool or it's done. And it kind of begins from uncertain origins, but... Ooh, uh, uncertain. There, yes, but there was a prime minister named Robert Gascoigne Cecil, and they called him Bob. And his nephew was chief secretary of Ireland uh, because of nepotism. And, and so whenever... He, and he was an indigenous person? That's right. He said he was chief. Chief secretary. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> and he was a horse? Secretariat? That's right. He was a native Irish... <laughs> A horse. Uh, But I think it's kind of cool because it being a British slang, I think maybe Homer learned it from Do Shut Up, so he's retaining some of the information that Ah. he watched. It's funny because I do have an uncle, Bob. Oh, really? So Bob is your uncle. Yeah. (laughs) I imagine most people have an uncle, Bob, because that's uh, Robert's such a common name. I think I have an uncle, Robert, (laughs) as well. Yeah, I do. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So um, also uh, on the DVD commentary... Which I stopped listening to. That's right. Uh, And I didn't listen to it either, but I have this information that uh, they were worried about PBS suing them. So (laughs) when they showed Oscar and uh, Elmo, they they called the characters Oscar the Grump with a 
Oscar with a K, and Elmo spelled E-L-M-A-U-X, which is funny because that's how they re- reference them, but they never say that on screen, so it's kind of irrelevant. But it'd be like if they did go to court, they'd be like, no, look here in the script. It's right. Yeah. It's like, Oscar right. the Grump and Elmo. Yeah. All right. I'll uh, have to. I also really like that uh, Reverend Lovejoy says that he's going to the dump yes. to throw away the children's letters to God. Very like in funny. front of everybody. like Yeah. Adults. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's normal. And like, yeah, yeah, Mr. Rogers is probably there, who was also a reverend. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's Wednesday already, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, Christian relief plane flies through the air and Homer shouts, oh, save me, Jeebus. There's Jeebus again. I also like how the airplane just has one seat by the door and then the rest mm-hmm. is just cargo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, so back at uh, Springfield Marge offers Reverend Lovejoy a slice of pie, which he thoroughly enjoys before explaining what happens to Homer. Mm. <laughs> ah. mm. Oh, well, peace there. Mm. <clears throat> So, you said on the phone you had something to tell me? Hmm? Oh, yes, your husband's in Microasia. <gasps> Microasia? That's 12,000 miles away. Uh-huh, he needed to get away for a while. I suggested missionary work, and he jumped at the idea. Missionary work? He's dead, isn't he? No, no, you can even keep in touch with him on this ham radio. Jeebus, where are you? Over to Jeebus. Again, more Jeebus. I think the comedy rule of three has been violated. And really, yeah. the comedy rule of two is on The Simpsons. They only reference things twice, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was probably really funny at the time, the Jeebus, right? Yeah. But it we, was probably but, fresh and original there. Yeah. And p- plus, we use it when referring to Jesus. We say Jeebus in our own yeah. personal lives. So it's okay. But I just feel like we got it too much in this episode. Yeah. They really forced it down our throats a little <laughs> bit. I really enjoyed uh, Reverend Lovejoy, though, eating the pie uh, and just <laughs> taking his time with it. Well, it's like the, remember... funny, the concept is that he called them and says, there's something about your husband I need to tell you. And he mm-hmm. comes over and she's like, you know, Marge be like, come in, Reverend Lovejoy. Would you like something to eat? We have pie and coffee. He's like, sure, I'd love to. And he sits down and starts eating. And I love just the sound that we listen to of him enjoying yeah. the pie. <laughs> and they're like, well... <laughs> There's this uh, really good old uh, Kids in the Hall sketch where I think Dave Foley plays an old-timey doctor, and uh, he takes he does a house call, and it's kind of that. Like, he has a piece of pie, and then he just works. He's kind of slow talking, and he kind of works his way. And I think that uh, Scott Thompson plays the father figure who's in uh, basically in dying in bed to the point where he's fighting off the little Grim Reaper. <laughs> and Bruce McCullough is playing his son, and he's like, Doctor, you got to help my dad. And he's like, oh, no, no rush. I just got to eat this pie. And it goes on for like seven minutes. It's really funny. I don't remember that sketch. Yeah, it's uh, like season three or season four, but it was fun. I'll have to look at it on, uh, was it, they're on Prime, right? Some of them, um, but somebody is kind enough to put them all on YouTube uh, in chronological order, so that's nice. Hey, we're associated with YouTube now. We got YouTube.com slash at 13 Simpsons, so we're just as popular as uh, Kids in the Hall, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think that when people think of Kids in the Hall, they think of the Annoyed Grunt Boys. They're one and the same. (laughs) When you think of YouTube, you think, ah, yeah, Justin Bieber got to start there, and so did the Annoyed Grunt Boys. Yep, we're a regular JoJo Siwa, whatever that is. We're just like uh, uh, that one lady who 
we just canceled that wasn't funny that people liked you know with the oh, red yeah. lipstick what's her name yeah miranda sings or whatever yeah yeah she's Except so popular we're not a, we're not problematic yeah now yeah when is jerry seinfeld going to invite us on uh comedians and <laughs> cars getting coffee i he invited like coffee. her yeah and i like movie cars i don't care about real cars but you know the back to the future delorean the ecto-1 i was gonna say like Homer's the episode car. that i see you is like in the ecto-1 yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Oh, man, what car would it be? Like, there's three like movie cars that I would really want in real life, and that's of course the DeLorean from Back to the Future, mm-hmm. the Ghostbusters Ecto One, and James Bond's uh, DB Five. Oh, nice. The Aston Martin DB Five, you know, from Goldfinger, and I think you know they used them in the Daniel Craig movies. Um, Michael Keaton's Batmobile, I think, Ooh, would be yeah. up there. Mine is very obscure. But uh, in the movie So I Married an Axe Murderer, Mike Myers drives around in a Volkswagen Kramgia. And for some reason, that movie, like, I want to be a cool beatnik guy who drives around in an old Volkswagen. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I want to be uh, when I grow up. I want to be Mike Myers in that movie. <laughs> so that would be the car that I would want. The the Kramgia is at least more obtainable than the my cars. <laughs> that's true. Like, I can probably buy one now for like $7,000. Yeah. I guess the other car, of course, this is a Simpsons podcast, and it is the Homer Mobile. Totally, yeah. Not not the Simpsons family station wagon, which of course would be fine, but yeah, the Homer Mobile, which I got yeah, a handy uh, little uh, Hot Wheels right now in front of me, looking at it. Oh, nice! I I have one of those too somewhere. Vroom 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 vroom. Uh, speaking of vroom vroom, uh, Homer's plane, which goes vroom in the sky, uh, lands in Micronesia, which is not a real place, but a parody of Micronesia. Uh, it's a tropical paradise with a community of people living in huts and seemingly living peacefully. A butterfly lands on Homer's hand, then folds itself into Homer's skin and crawls up inside of Homer's arm, up his neck, and then lands in his brain. Homer's then greeted by two missionaries, Craig and Amy. What? Uh, Craig and Amy. What? Oh, sorry. I, yeah. I don't pay attention to this for my name. You know, we were talking off pod recently about how little representation the name Craig has in pop culture. And I think about it, and Craig from Killing It is a Craig, and that's about it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, now that we have Craig and Amy here, you get another one. And uh, I've but... always wanted to be a missionary. <laughs> of course, yeah. When I think of missionary, I think of Craig. <laughs> uh, so Craig and Amy quickly hop on the plane to leave. Homer asks what he's supposed to do, and Amy tells them to forget everything he learned in missionary school. And without anything, Homer's like, done. <laughs> Uh, Craig tells Homer that they taught the locals some English and ridiculed away most of their beliefs. And then as they're about to fly off, Craig tells Homer, don't let the bed bugs bite. And then he opens the door again to say, seriously, don't let them bite. I feel like I've used that quote in my real life. Like, don't let yep. the bug- bugs bite. No, seriously. It's a good line. But remember, we had like, oh, the Simpsons predicted it. Remember <laughs> the big old uh, bed bug outbreak like a couple years ago? I do remember that. Yeah. And they were like, it seemed like really scary. It was because it was like all over. Like, uh, like it started off and like didn't start off like in New York. Like it was just a big mm-hmm. infestation. And then people were saying, oh, it's because we got rid of DDT, you know, because of the chemical was killed all the bed bugs. But now we can't use it anymore. No. Now it's like, you know, going to like stay at a hotel or even Airbnb. You're you're still kind of like cautious about oh, I hope there's no bed bugs. Yeah. Which to this way, knock on wood, I have yet to encounter bed bugs. Yeah, I'm I'm very afraid of them. And I try to just turn off my brain whenever <laughs> I travel because I know how gross it is. Yeah. But I just tell myself that it's not real. <laughs> All right, Steve, I'll ask you questions um, greater than less than. Right. OK. All right. Uh, fears. Uh, nuclear winter or bed bugs? 
Oh, see, <laughs> bed bugs are worse because nuclear winter, that's an equalizer. Everybody's going to die. So who cares? That's speaking fine. Of, okay. Speaking of equalizer, uh-huh. Queen Latifah or oh. Denzel Washington. Oh, man. I mean, Denzel Washington is pretty tough, but I wouldn't mess with Queen Latifah. I mean, she's a queen. <laughs> um, I've only experienced the uh, equalizer Denzel Washington movies. So I, I have never seen the TV show, the original or the uh, Queen Latifah show. Let's not forget there was an original 80s show. Right. With an old British man. Uncle Bob? Yes, that's right. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> was, that the, was the original equalizer at UK Exports starring... <laughs> A British guy called Bob's your uncle, and then they're like, that's not going to fly in the States, so we'll just call it the Equalizer. I think that's what it is. Yeah, that's the origin. We solved it. Yep. Now I do want a TV show called Bob's your uncle that's in the UK. That's the Equalizer, where he's just like a British guy who gets things done violently. <laughs> and he can't use a gun because it's the UK, so you know he has to kill people with, um, you know, with the things he's got around him. Yeah, like cricket bats and teacups. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great show to pitch. And look, we can pitch it to the BBC because they're not part of our WGA or SAG. So no, they have their own. Yeah, yeah. Good. All right, call up, uh, call up, good old King Charlie, King Chuck, as I like to call him, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll pitch it to him. I'm sure he's all ears. So Homer meets the inhabitants of the island, and two men, Katuk Tuck and Act introduce themselves they say that they uh, look forward to learning the bible from homer and then homer reaches into a crate and hands up the bibles to the folks I'm to learn bible. Check it out. fuck siri did any point <laughs> did i say siri no is your siri name katuk tuk <laughs> uh no i have a um australian lady is my siri Ooh. who's your uh siri i think it's uh ozzy yeah so it's mine okay so we both the same yeah. lady okay they say that they look forward to learning the Bible from Homer. Homer reaches into a crate and hands out Bibles to the folks, but Katuk-Tuk informs Homer that they can't read. And Homer asks if the words jet lag mean anything to these people. And yeah, he sees, uses the term these people too, Homer. That's yeah. not good. No. And so they just stare. And later in this clip, uh, Homer enjoys a unique snack as he is shown around the island. Are you enjoying your ox testicle? Hmm? Oh, yes. Very much so. Really? You sure you wouldn't rather have a coconut? <laughs> They're delicious. No, I'm good. Mm. Hey, what happened to all the shirtless girls you see in all the geographical magazine? Craig and Amy gave us the gift of shame. All the naked women are on that island. Yeah, anything goes over there. <laughs> bouncy, bouncy. Uh, <laughs> what was that? Oh, we call that... Oh, God. Sorry, fishbone in my throat. We call that earthquake. Great. Now my testicles got ants on it. Thanks, sweetheart. Have a Bible. My name's Homer. What's yours? I am Uviluyuki Tanawanje. I'm going to call you Lisa Jr. What is your opinion on the joke of I'm sounds like I'm speaking a foreign language, but really I'm clearing my throat? Ugh. And we says like earthquake. Yeah, it's I struggled with this joke and this certain things this episode because I was wondering, like, I don't want to be like the PC police or anything. The cancel culture. Right. That joke feels a little offensive. It also feels like tired. And unfortunately, I can't think of like a good example, but I feel like I've seen this joke, not just in The Simpsons, but other places, too. Uh, Yeah. 
And it might just be the Simpsons reusing this joke. I'm pretty sure that I've seen it before, too. But it does feel like offense aside, like a little bit of a tired joke. I think you're right. Fans, let us know what the uh, TV show or movie that was from. Uh, email us at 13simpsons at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at 13simpsons. Um, I do think it's interesting, too, that a lot of the jokes about culture are told from Homer being the ignorant person making the joke. So the jokes on him a lot of times, which I think is better, uh, like he presumably asked for an ox testicle that this is a very funny joke that it's you know much like the we have two drinks mountain dew or crab juice yuck i'll just have the crab juice yeah and so like we didn't get the setup where it was like we got coconut milk or ox you know testicle and the fact is like no i'm good <laughs> like yeah or, or it's like the it's also no it's more like the um you know it's it's also that that cliche in movies again or tv shows where like here's this food eat it and then after you're done eating then i tell you what it is and then you go gross yeah <laughs> all right here we go to go back to the uh either or game steve would you rather have the coconut or the testicle hmm testicle in my mouth hmm. coconut in my mouth i think i'm gonna go with the coconut myself all but, uh... right go with the coconut i'll i'll do the same that's fair <laughs> Um, and then let's bring it up. Uh, Yardley doing another voice, but the same uh, another character, but the same voice. And I just love the animated kind of like beat where as fans, we know it's just the same voice of Lisa. Mm -hmm. And then Homer just like hearing her speak and then looking up and then processing his mind like, yeah, I'll just call you Lisa Jr. Because that's all he hears, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's Lisa Jr. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Homer asks what they do for fun on the island, and Katok Tok and Ak inform him that Craig and Amy were digging a well, and Craig and Amy were also building a chapel. And so Homer mockingly says, Craig and Amy, Craig and Amy, and asks them why they didn't just didn't marry them. And so Katok Tok knew he should have asked to marry <laughs> Craig and Amy. Homer then asks uh, about the local TV reception, but the islanders are unfamiliar with TV. They also don't know about couches or beer, which causes Homer to fall on the ground and flail about saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And uh, thinking that it's uh, some sort of religious uh, ritual, the Islanders do the same. I like when you say the Islanders and I just thinking of a hockey team. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I wanted to be politically correct. Right. Because I didn't want to say like the natives because that feels right. a little weird and like other. So I, I wanted to find terminology that wasn't like making them seem weird or strange people because they're just people. Except for the New York Islanders. Exactly. They suck. Yeah. Out of all the 14 NHL teams in New York, they're one of them. <laughs> yep. That's absolutely true. Uh, that scene also, uh, the oh God, oh God. Is it only this episode? Because I feel like if I remember this happening a couple times or is it just this episode and it just like stuck with me? Yeah, I know what you're saying. And I think that it is just this episode, but it does feel like something that I feel like I've seen a lot of. Yeah. All right. Well, later Homer sits in a hammock in a hut licking toads. I also think this is the time too when they were talking about, oh yeah, there's like psychedelic toads you can lick. Um, like, you know, when you were a kid, you're hearing about these sort of things. Right. So I think that was kind of like in some sort of pop culture uh, thing. Maybe it was from this episode. Uh, but yeah, so the first one he licks does nothing. And then the second one does cause him to have a trip. So as people's grow and he begins to enjoy the high. And it seems though the toad is speaking to him in a very, in a very familiar voice. Hello? Is there anybody in there? Marge! Homer, are you all right? I guess so, but that first month was pretty rough. You've only been gone two days. Really? 
Without TV, it's hard to know when one day begins and the other ends. I miss you, Dad. Mom won't let me read Hagar the Horrible. I just don't think it's funny. Mmm, I can see the house is falling apart without me. So here's the new order. Bart, you're the man of the house. Mm. Lisa, I'm promoting you to boy. Mm. Maggie's now the brainy girl. Toaster can fill in for Maggie. And Marge, you're a consultant. Mm. Dad? Yes, boy? I just want to tell you how proud I am that you're showing an interest in your fellow man. Really? You're proud of me? Oh, yes. The whole town thinks you're a real humanitarian. Ned Flanders is green with envy. Oh, really? Now, do you think that the line read for Marsh to say hello, is there anybody out there? Because it was the cadence of Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody out there in the song? So do you think it was just julie like like was that a cue or was it like like an ad lib for her like to do it in the, like is there anyone out there like because it had that pink floyd yeah bit. that's a good question i would like to think that it's an ad lib by julie but i don't know we'll, we'll give her the credit but it's just so funny it's just like hello is there anybody <laughs> out there <laughs> and then you get that, I, that pink floyd song stuck in your head yeah i would love a March to do a cover album of Pink Floyd. Just like, <laughs> oh, we are. It's just another brick in the wall. Well, I guess we have our intro song, Steve singing Marge as Pink Floyd. There you go. Marge is in the lead for MVJ just for the joke of when Bart's like, she won't let me read Hagar the Horrible. She's like, I just don't think it's funny. <laughs> like, there's, no con- there's nothing with the content. She's like, this isn't even funny. Like, right. most, most newspaper comic strips are not funny. No, um, Nancy's the only good one. I'm a big Nancy guy. I think Nancy's always been funny, but that's just me. Okay, I'll, I'll have to go back and watch, watch, read the old like ones from like when did it start, like the fifties. Yeah, um, the Ernie Bushmiller era is it's good. I like it's definitely out of date. Like it's a lot of like looking through knots in like fences to watch yeah. baseball games and stuff. But uh... I just remember as a kid, it was a certain style, which was like the new style. But then I remember like when I got a little bit older, I opened it up and like, why does it look like it's old and from the fifties now? Like they. Mm-hmm. Because they kind of like changed the style like in in the 80s or 90s. Yeah, I think so. And I remember liking a lot of comic strips just because it was a thing that felt like it was made for me. So like I would love to read uh, like your Garfield, your Mother Mother Grimm, Mother Goose and Grimm or whatever. And it felt like they were made for me. So therefore, I thought they were funny, but they probably weren't ever funny. Oh, no, no. I mean, I loved comic strips, too. I mean, I read them all. I mean, I could remember our local paper. I'd be like, the star of the left top was like always like Peanuts. And it went down mm-hmm. to like uh, Garfield. And then, you know, re- reading even the stupid Family Circus. And, and back in the day when we actually had Farsight. And I just remember like in elementary school, kids would cut out Farsight comic strips and be like, yeah. put them on their uh, manila folders and be like, yeah, Farsight is cool. Like, you don't even understand this joke. I don't even understand this joke. Right. You got to be a little older to understand this joke. <laughs> uh, but I just remember, like, the big one when, like, Matt Graney was like, yeah, I'm going to start doing Simpsons uh, on, <laughs> right. in, in Sunday. So, like, we, uh, the Sunday paper, you'd have, like, full, or uh, you know, a colored comic strip of uh, the Simpsons. And mm-hmm. that lasted for a good while, right? It did. It lasted for a few years. And that was always fun. Yeah, and like we didn't have, I don't remember as as a kid growing up, like there would be like Spider Man, like Stan Lee to write like daily comic strips, but like they're just lost to me because we didn't have those. But there's like a whole books you could buy of just all the old uh, Stan Lee comic strips, which 
I, have you read those as part of your Spider-Man rereads? Uh, not as a reread, but I do remember briefly when the Oregonian in our local paper had uh, Spider-Man on Sundays only. Mm-hmm. And it was cool, but it was hard to keep up with the story because you only had so many panels. Right. And it seemed like it was an ongoing story. So, But it was kind of cool to see Spider-Man in color in your newspaper. Yeah, you don't have to go to the comic book store to like the 7-Eleven to get a comic book. You're like, wow, right. sweet, comes to the, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there's still the comic strips. Uh, and I did read Hagar the Horrible as a kid. Yeah. Uh, you know, trying to think of all the other ones, you know, High and Lois and mm-hmm. uh, Dagwood and uh, Blondie. Yeah. yeah. I was never a fan of Dilbert, um, but I am now. Scott Adams. I oh, yeah. He's a great he's guy. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Bloom County. Yeah. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes is. Oh, yeah. For its perfection, like. I will pick up a Calvin and Hobbes book from time to time now and just like, oh, it's just really good. Like, it's just yeah. beautiful artwork and great storytelling. And just it's actually funny. Yeah. Remember when I started uh, trying to do a comic strip, like multiple comic strips back in the day in like high school? Oh, yeah. I still have some. Inspired by, I feel like you were inspired by the comic strip Red Meat. Yes, yes. Does that still exist? I, I checked in on it a couple years ago and they're still sporadically doing stuff. Okay. Um, also, one of my favorites that uh, was in a local paper, Too Much Coffee Man. Oh, yeah. Which is still active, but the concept of Too Much Coffee Man has kind of gone away from it. They still call that, but the world isn't there, so it's more like commentary on modern things, but it's still fun. Oh, wow. Here it is. Redmeat.com still exists. This week's comic from July 25th, 2023. Um, okay. By the way, we're recording this in September of 2023, <laughs> so it's not this week's. Uh, yeah, you know, stuff. Uh, I, it's too long. I'm not going to read it while I'm on the air, but uh, all right. I'll have to look that. Yeah. From the secret files of Max Cannon. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I literally remember like in high school, just took the same three panels. Even my comic strip like had the, the title and then the middle was with the, the story title and then the author's name. Like I, I ripped everything off of Red Meat. You're right. If I ever <laughs> do those uh, comic strips again, rework them, uh, I would never put them out. You know, I don't know if we've brought this up before, but like I used to do a lot of like in high school, just a lot of like writing, uh, freestyle writing, mm-hmm. comic strips or like scripts. And so I, I had a, a an idea for a show called Steve starring oh, our yeah. friend here, Steve, the, the guy that you're listening to when he talks. He's not talking. That's now, right. Me. Now. Right. Okay, yeah. yeah. You, 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 me, you or you, me. Yeah, I'm me. Yeah, you're you. I'm me. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, there's like three complete uh, 22 minute long scripts of a, a TV show called Steve. Yeah, so, uh, I think I rewrote it as because we wrote these together mm-hmm. and I think we have it as we're supposed to be 20 somethings, even though we're in high school when we wrote this, probably like sophomore juniors. Right. And but we're writing it from the perspective of a 20 something, mostly because we were influenced by like Kevin Smith. Exactly. So very Kevin Smithy. Also, it was the concept was it was Dr. Katz professional therapist that sick that cartoon but mm-hmm. live action and steve wasn't but he wasn't a psychiatrist he was just a guy because our friend group would always just go to steve's house like no one ever hung out at that's the, true yeah. the only house we hung out with our friend group was steve's house we didn't go to any other friend's house so steve's house was the place where all our friends just went to gather so the concept was all these characters would come in and just hang out with steve in his room when he's just trying to eat cereal and watch blues clues right exactly because I was an adult. Well, I wasn't an adult. I was a child, <laughs> a 16 year old child who was wanting to watch TV for toddlers and then eat cereal. <laughs> well, I mean, you wanted the co- you you just wanted to watch Cartoon 
work in Comedy Central. Yeah, that's all I want. Yeah. That, that, so, nowadays, that's all I want. Yeah, so like his, uh, Steve's friend groups would just come over and talk about their... So the whole idea was like, you know, like in, in, in storytelling, it's always show rather than tell. But I did the <laughs> complete opposite. We did the complete opposite of that was yeah. we told and never showed. So my character would come in and tell my... Although we still had the idea of like filming the story being told, like through voiceover and showing the the action that my character was going through. So what I'm trying to say, if we ever do a Patreon, we'll bust those scripts out and read them. Oh yeah, we'll do a live reading. See, we're just building up the Patreon that will never exist. Exactly, but it's going to be good when it does happen, which it's not going to. And we can't, at this point, even though we're not part of the WGA or, or SAG, uh, so mm-hmm. it'd be perfectly fine to read our scripts on the air. I just feel it'd be in poor taste. Uh, we're not Drew Barrymore over here trying to... Exactly. The, the yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, back to the episode. Homer vows to spread civilization like butter on the English muffin that is the people of the island with all their little nooks and crannies. And over the radio, Bart asked if Homer is looking toads, and he replies that he's not not looking toads. Uh, Homer then gets to work, but not before licking the toad one last time. So then Homer brings together a group of people to teach them about religion. As he does this, they fall to the ground, shouting, oh God, oh God, oh God. Maybe that's why I think I've seen this multiple times, because it happened multiple times, right? It's kind of funny how, like, the Craig and Amy thing, the oh God thing, and the Jeebus thing, like, cramming in a lot of the same joke over and over again. Yeah. Homer states that he's just God's messenger and then offers his wondrous message, turning to Psalms, or as he calls it, Psalms, and offers a frightening imagery of God shattering the heads of his enemies and bathe your feet in blood of those who have sinned. Homer tells his audience that is true as today as it was when it was written. He then takes some questions. Yes, Lisa Jr.? Amy said there are lots of religions. Which is the right one? Well, not the Unitarians. If that's the one true faith, I'll eat my hat. Um, if the Lord is all-powerful, why does he care whether we worship him or not? <laughs> Ak just saying. Well, Ak, it's because God is powerful, but also insecure, like Barbra Streisand before James Brolin. Oh, he's been a rock. Oh, who am I kidding? The truth is, I'm no missionary. I work in a nuclear power plant. Ooh, tell us all you know about nuclear power. Look, the point is, I want to help, but you don't need a well or a chapel or an immunization center. What you need is a little (gasps) razzle-dazzle. Talk, talk. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I am Ack. Hey, that's great. Now, let's get to work. Uh, I mean, there's some... Some truth into Homer speak. Mm-hmm. About the Unitarians? Yeah. <laughs> I think we've talked about it before, but I don't know the different flavors of religion all that well. And so they all seem silly to me, but uh, not a religious part. Well, let's think of it this way, Steve. Religion is like the breakfast cereal Fruit Loops. You think oh. you're getting raspberry. You think you're getting strawberry. You think you're getting orange. You think you're getting lime. You think you're getting lemon. But in reality, it's just one flavor. Mm-hmm. And so- much like M&M's, brown, blue, yellow, it all turns the same color in the end. But I think we can all agree that James Brolin has been a rock for Barbara Streisand. They're still together, right? Yeah. James Brolin is a, a Thanos' daddy. Yeah, Thanos' daddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When is he going to be in the Marvel Universe, right? I want to see Thanos' dad. Yeah, I want to see Barbara Streisand as Thanos' mommy. Mm-hmm. I know they're not. His, I know Barbara Streisand is not James Brolin's mom, but right. But I would like to see that in a Marvel movie where <laughs> yeah. Thanos gets time out. 
I, I told you about this comic book from a couple of years ago. Uh, I think it still makes some limited series, but it was Cosmic Ghost Rider. The, the whole story was like the that that old story of like you go back in time to kill baby Hitler. And so mm-hmm. it was Cosmic Ghost, Ghost Rider went back time to kill baby Thanos, but it ended up being like too cute to kill a baby. <laughs> so <laughs> like it was Cosmic Ghost Rider riding around with like a little baby Thanos. It was like, oh, I think it was like before Mandalorian. Like it was like Lone Wolf and Cub, but it was just like cute Thanos. <laughs> Right. Interesting. Which I guarantee you now with Disney like making money off that baby Yoda product, fucking like Cosmic Ghost Rider is like prime for like having a baby Thanos, like making oh, it yeah. cute. <laughs> All right. You're here first, folks. We're getting baby Thanos will be the new marketing toy that everyone's gonna want. With like snapping action this in the toys. <laughs> <sighs> Look, Thanos wasn't wrong. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. <laughs> Also, it's weird that Johnny Blaze is the name of the Ghost Rider, which I guess makes sense because he has a flaming skull head. But the name of the Human Torch is Johnny Storm. Yeah. I mean, like, shouldn't he be Johnny Blaze? Because he's the, I mean, I guess it's not Sue Blaze, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking it up here. Yes, it is Frank Castle is Cosmic Ghost Rider. Weird. This is a long origin here on Wikipedia, but uh, in an alternate reality where Thanos conquered the universe, Frank Castle's early life was seemingly similar to the Frank Castle of Earth 616. Um, however, when Thanos came to Earth, the Punisher was one of the last casualties during the last stand of the heroes, and his soul was sent to hell, willing to give anything to the owner to punish Thanos for slaughtering his planet. The Punisher signed a demonic deal with Mephisto and became Ghost Rider. So when he returned to Earth, however, Thanos was already gone and everything on the planet was dead, roaming endlessly and undying. Uh, no one to kill or love. Ghost Rider spent the next countless years alone. He eventually began to lose his mind when even Mephisto fell silent to his cause when badly injured. Galactus arrived to Earth seeking help against Thanos, unaware of the population of Earth has already been gone. Ghost Rider offered the dead planet to him in exchange for a chance of punishing Thanos as the Herald of Galactus. So that's how he was bestowed with the power, power of Cosmic. Ghost Rider became Cosmic Ghost Rider. So it's the Punisher became Ghost Rider became Silver Surfer. Wow. Thus, Cosmic Ghost Rider, one of the greatest fictional comic characters of all time. <laughs> Seriously, that first uh, miniseries was great. That's incredible. That's yeah. uh, Cosmic yeah. Ghost Rider. <laughs> uh, I'm sure this will be edited on the podcast. Okay. Uh, so uh, Homer, wearing a turtle shell <laughs> as a hard hat, uh, puts <laughs> the people of the island to work, building a structure of some sort. He <laughs> says that if the Flintstones taught him anything, it's that pelicans can be used to mix cement. <laughs> He then uh, leans over to a cement-filled pelican and asks for a wisecrack such as, it's a living, but the bird, unfortunately, just falls to the ground dead. Oh, that was so good. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so back at Springfield, Bart skateboards to the power plant where he parks in the spot marked H. Simpson, and Lenny greets him as Homer, but Carla corrects his friend, saying that uh, it isn't Homer, and Lenny responds that if it isn't Homer, then why is he in Homer's spot? Sound logic. Yeah. Bart then goes to his dad's workstation in Sector 7G and replaces a frame photo of Marge, and uh, he puts a crusty instead. <laughs> He's ready to put his feet up and be as lazy as his father when Monty Burns walks in. So uh, in this clip, we'll hear some of that and also go back to the island where Homer introduces a new institution for the locals. Simpson! Ah! I've just reviewed your tenure performance record. And it's appalling. But I'm not Homer Simpson. I think I know who Homer Simpson is. In ten short years, you've caused 17 meltdowns. One is too many. Yeah, but... You sold weapons-grade plutonium to the Iraqis. 
with no markup. But... And worst of all, you took the Hamburglar's birthday off last Monday and Wednesday. Which is it? <sighs> now my voice is giving out, so I'm just going to poke you for the next hour or so. Uh, <clears throat> no. <sighs> Friends, when I came here one month ago, this seemed like a strange and frightening place. But now I've learned to love this island as my second... Please! Stop! Give me off that stinking rock! Anywho, I'm about to share with you a modern-day miracle. Something that has revitalized cities from East St. Louis to Biloxi, Mississippi. The magic medicine of... Casino Gambling! Lucky Savage? It could be you! I just love the uh, interactions of Bart and Mr. Burns. It's such an unnecessary to the plot, but it's a nice like uh, break from Homer's story. We had an episode where a few episodes from season 11 where he's like, Bart asks Homer, like, do you even work anymore? And he's like, I think we both know the answer to that. To like now, like they have to justify like Homer's absence from the plant. But it's just a kind of a fun scene. Yeah, it is. It's uh, a lot of fun. And also and also it's a classic gag of uh, Burns not knowing what who Homer is. <laughs> So he can confuse them for a 10 year old boy. And then like the continuity of like for the past 10 years, you've been working here while Bart's only 10. Yeah. Because he had to get a job at the nuclear power plant. Oh, no. Yeah. Because he had to get the job at the plant. He was already working at the plant and then he quit because uh, he was making good money. This is before Lisa, right? Right. Because he worked at the bowling alley and everything. And that's when. Mm -hmm. Okay. But yeah, still in the 10 years that Bart's been alive, his dad's just fucked everything up. Yeah, it's. It's a fun scene, but uh, yeah, I loved it. Also, I looked up, uh, I was just curious to see if the Hamburglar did have a canonical birthday, and I couldn't find one, but I did find an Angel Fire website that was clearly from this time, because it said that uh, it's undetermined when Hamburglar's birthday is, but it's definitely on a Monday or a Wednesday. So this Angel Fire website that was probably made in 2000 references this episode. And it's still like the number one Google hit if you type in Hamburglar's birthday. Well, I I uh, I, I forgot everything you said because when you said Angel Fire, I'm like, I got, does that still <laughs> exist? And it does. If you can type in angelfire.com, it's angelfire.lycos.com. Lycos even has a copyright 2023 on the bottom of this website. That's funny. <laughs> Again, I was talking about how the joke of Homer being offensive rather than the Islanders. So him calling the place the Lucky Savage. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a little weird because like throughout this episode, the things that he does are offensive to people, but a wide range of people like the problem with uh, gambling and alcoholism, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, that happened to uh, people of indigenous people of this land, not so much other lands, but missionary work is a problem of, I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So Homer shows the people all the casino has to offer, such as Island Blackjack, Island Craps, and Island Texas Hold'em. Uh, Homer, however, is mesmerized by pretty colors and spinning things, so he opts for Island Roulette. He puts four sand dollars on number six, and after attempting to small talk with the roulette dealer, or groupier, Homer finds that the ball has landed on six. Unfortunately for him, the ball is actually a hermit crab who crawls over two spaces to land on number 31. Homer then offers uh, the locals his favorite beverage, beer, and he explains that it's mostly Dristan and holy water, but it gets the job done. 
uh, the native people are receptive to the casino. And Homer tells them that if they're lucky, they may win big and get off the island and spend the rest of their days in a tropical paradise. Uh, so over the uh, ham radio, March tells Homer that she's impressed with his work. Homer is pleased with himself, saying that he knows how Bob Stupak feels. Bob Stupak, of course, Uncle Bob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, born April 6th, 1942. Died September 25th, 2009. This is uh, going to be on the test. Okay. Uh, he was a uh, Vegas casino owner and entree pioneer. <laughs> Uh, also a poker player, winning titles uh, at the uh, World Series of Poker and Super Bowl of Poker. I'm sorry, we can't say Super Bowl of Poker. We have to say the big game of poker. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he also competed in the World Poker Tour and various tournaments as well as uh, cash games, including high-stakes poker on GCN. He once played a computer for half a million dollars and won. Wow. Do you think he knows uh, Jennifer Tilly or knew Jennifer Tilly? Probably, yeah. yeah. The three of them, the two of them and Gabe Kaplan all hung out. <laughs> so Homer goes to see if anyone's having fun at the casino, but he finds that chaos has ensued. People are passed out drunk, fighting each other, tipping over furniture. As a man dies from being stabbed with a swordfish, Homer realizes the arrow of his ways. So a drunken act asks how an ace can be one and eleven. But what kind of God would allow that? He then goes to punch Homer, but misses and falls to the ground. Seeing all the madness around him, Homer wonders where he went wrong. And back at home, Bart is learning that being the man of the house is quite exhausting. Oh, what happened? I gave you a glittering Vegas and you turned it into a skanky Atlantic city. Your alcohol and inexpensive buffets have corrupted us. I don't even like macaroni salad. But look at me! Please help us. Our island has not been this damaged since the A-bomb tests. Oh. Guess who I saw at the supermarket today? Can it wait? I just got off work. I'm sorry, honey. I just thought you... Don't you do enough yakking at the beauty parlor? That's it, Bart. You're taking this man of the house thing too far. You're right. I'm sorry. Tell you what, Saturday night we'll go out for steaks. Just you and me. Hmm. A night out is a night out. I like that uh, the idea of Marge and Bart going out to dinner. Yeah, it's like only like a couple beats with this Bart being the man of the house. <laughs> I mean, in Marge's eyes, like, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to just hang out with my son. Nice steak yeah. dinner. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. It's a very cute scene. And, so... and, and the fact that... Uh, <laughs> The horribleness of uh, legalized gambling and yeah, <laughs> mixing gambling with booze. Not a good idea. But, you know, no. that's Vegas for you, baby. That's right. It's a uh, hellhole. And throwing shade <laughs> to Atlantic City. Yeah. Which, like, I feel like people think of Vegas as a classy gambling place and all the others are crappy, like Reno and Atlantic City. But in reality, they're all kind of crappy. It's all just like a veneer of fan- fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a lot of cigarette smoke and depression. Yeah. It's like the only place you can still smoke cigarettes is Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> overwhelming. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Homer works by himself. To build the chapel that Craig and Amy began. Katuktuk and Ak watch, uh, speaking in their native tongue, saying that he should lift with his legs. Uh, Katuktuk suggests that uh, they should help Homer, but Ak says that he should shut up. They then ask Homer why he's building the chapel, and he explains that they're all terrible sinners ever since he arrived. He tells them to uh, grab a stone or go to hell. The people go uh, get to work until they finally build a pretty nice cage for God. Lisa Jr. gives Homer some flowers, happy that the people finally have a place to pray. 
She then says that uh, she's in a gambling program for real this time, crossing her fingers. <laughs> and crossing your fingers is a form of a uh, chance, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. Fun scene. Uh, so Katuk Tug is shocked to learn that he'll have to go to church every Sunday for the rest of his life to avoid going to hell when the chapel bell chimes. Lisa Jr. is doing a great job ringing the bell, but Homer tells her that God's palace is way up on the moon. <laughs> he then licks a toad and then cranks up the volume, ringing the bell loudly. He cries out to God and shouts, I'm the greatest missionary of all time. All the noise causes an earthquake. Rocks fall and trees tremble down. People evacuate as the ground below them splits open, revealing a river of lava. Homer and Lisa Jr. are stuck in the bell tower of the chapel, surrounded by the bubbling, flaming ooze. They're about to fall to their fiery death when suddenly this happens. Oh no! This looks like the end! Oh, that Homer, always getting into trouble. And if you're one of the millions who enjoys his adventures, or should I say misadventures, it's time to show your support. Sure, Fox makes a fortune from advertising, but it's still not enough. Not nearly enough! So if you don't want to see crude, lowbrow programming disappear from the airwaves, please call now. Hello, Murdoch here. $10,000? You've saved my network! Wouldn't be the first time. In that scene, we had some fun uh, cameos. Uh, Bender from Futurama, Hank Hill from King of the Hill, Thoroughgood from the short-lived PJ's show, Dylan McKay from Beverly Hills 90210, which had probably been off the air for a good six or seven years at this point. <laughs> yeah. And then we had Mulder and Scully from The X-Files, who, of course, appeared on The Simpsons. And then I like how when Betty re refers to uh, crew low-brow TV, she, there's an image of Family Guy on the, <laughs> the screen. So Family Guy was only temporarily canceled and brought back for a third season. It wouldn't be until the end of the third season that Family Guy would be canceled forever until, of course, it was brought back in 2005 due to the excellent DVD sales and uh, popular demand from fans and the uh, ratings from like reruns on Cartoon Network's uh, Adult Swim lineup. Yeah. Um, um, I also like how we see Rupert Murdoch, um, which they've made many jokes at his expense but like he's also drinking like a, a foster's yeah here <laughs> uh even then like we made fun of him how evil he was but now like in again not a political podcast but like how evil he really is like right you know, we, we make donald trump jokes all the time but really rupert murdoch is the reason for all this insanity and craziness in this country of of, of american citizens pitting against each other because of the content he allows on his networks um, right and again, not all a the news but just not yeah. a political podcast but yes uh his his revenue of being a billionaire like Rupert Murdoch is a real life Mr. Burns, but Mr. Burns on the cartoon is a lot nicer. Yeah, he has some heart sometimes. Yeah, yeah he's Murdoch is just a villain. He's gonna uh, have um, us killed for saying this. Is, is oh yeah, probably. Oh, he shit. probably listens to our show. Um, I do like the fact that they're like uh Bart saying it's not the first time they saved the Fox <laughs> yes. network. Nice breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so weird because like if you think about it, uh, Fox Network started in uh eighty seven or eighty six. 87, yeah. You know, and technically The Simpsons has been around ever since the launch of Fox. You know, yeah. started with the Tracy Ullman show. But yeah, like it's, you know, if if it's DC Comics is to Superman, is to Fox Network, is to Simpsons, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like if, um, like, the Honeymooners, whatever network they were on originally. <laughs> the like DuPont if, Network. Right. Which turned into CBS. And then, like, it was, like, 1972, and the Honeymooners were still on. It'd be yeah. weird. Right. <laughs> 
even weird to think even if it was uh, like in the 70s tv show even uh archie bunker would think uh yeah. ralph cramden was problematic <laughs> like hey uh hey ralph you're uh, a little abusive to your wife and i should know uh but uh yeah um that's how yeah. this episode ends it's abruptly yeah and uh kind of a weird kind of uh it's kind of a fun callback. Call. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, but uh, let's uh, take a break and think about what we just saw, and then we'll uh, talk about it. Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back. Save me, Jeebus! Alrighty, Craig, we're back. Let's finish up our discussion of Missionary Impossible. We'll talk about what we thought about the episode, the things that made us laugh, the things that uh, we liked about it, things we didn't like about it, our most valuable jokester, and we'll find out what we're watching next week. But Craig, before we do all that, I think we should give each other a gift. And while I gave you a conk on the head last year, so uh, this year I'm going to do something different and I'm going to give you a coconut. Oh, I wanted testicles in my mouth. No, I know that you always do want testicles in your <laughs> mouth, but... Fine, then um, I will give you this lovely tote bag from uh, PBS. Nice. People <laughs> will know that I donated, or think that I donated, <laughs> so I like that. Well, it's actually a picture of PBS's tote bag on a on a tote bag. It's Ooh, very meta. meta. Like yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your MVJ of this episode? It might be the one and only God man himself, Reverend Lovejoy. Oh, yeah. Because I like that scene where Homer is going into the church and like he said, he's like cleaning the organ, but almost like a mechanic is fixing a car. Mm-hmm. But then the, the, the joke of him going to the see Marge and the kids to tell what he did with Homer uh, and eating the pie was really funny yeah. to me. Then again, Marge throwing shade at Hagar the Horrible was really funny. And then her doing that Pink Floyd Hello, is there any anybody out there? Joke. It's also very humorous to me. And just her scenes with Bart and Bart being the adult. You know what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marge, you get it. Sorry, God boy. You have to set this one out. Uh, Marge, you get my MVJ. <laughs> so I, I think those scenes with Marge and Bart, although, you know, I get into the episode might be pointless to the episode, but they're just really funny to me. Like that brings the humor in. And I do because I do like that scene with Bart and Burns. So, yeah, I might have to give those my my favorite uh, favorite scenes. How about you, Steve? Um, I think I agree with you about Reverend Lovejoy, the mechanic scene where he's regretting teaching Homer sanctuary, um, the pie scene, and then also the joke about him driving uh, letters to God mm. to the dump. Yeah, uh, that's really funny. So I think I'm going to give it to Reverend Lovejoy. I like Katuk Tuck and Ack. I think that they're kind of grounded in a certain reality, but I do really like the March dynamic. Also, I think Betty White did a fun job. I think that she didn't get a lot of airtime, but what she did do, she did well with it. But yeah, I think I'm going to give it to Reverend Lovejoy all in all. What are your thoughts on this episode? Like, get into it. What do you, what did you like? What worked for you? What didn't? uh, This is complicated because I remember this episode when aired and I'm not a fan of it then. Mm -hmm. And I was ready to go on this podcast on the hot mic tonight and uh, really give it a new one, you know? Well, there's some of the jokes that, you know, might be problematic and, and the concept is just really odd. I found this episode compelling in some sort of way that I could have put my finger on it and it only occurred to me now because I recently rewatched all the Indiana Jones movies in preparation for the the latest one, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I bring that up is because this episode feels very much like Temple of Doom. Now, remember how Temple of Doom started off with Harrison Ford coming in in that nice white tux, um, you know, trying to get um, a diamond and then, you know, he gets poison and is trying to get the antidote, but then like has to escape the nightclub and it ends with him. <laughs> 
getting on an airplane, but it's the airplane's owned by the bad guy that was chasing him. And then, you know, mm-hmm. it crashes and he's in India. You know, he meets the natives and then the natives tell him about his problem. And then he goes and he's the white savior of that movie and rescues all these kids. And he's the <laughs> hero. And this episode is very much like Temple of Doom, where Homer starts off just watching TV but then is thrown into the situation where he can't escape because people are chasing him PBS and goes to River Lovejoy, who's essentially Dan Aykroyd's part in Temple of Doom. If you don't know, Dan Aykroyd is the guy that charges the flight. It's just mm-hmm. a, a, a long shot. You can't even tell because he's doing a voice. And so Homer ends up on an airplane, just like Indiana Jones, <laughs> to a, a, a land with indigenous people <laughs> and has to try to save them from missionary work. But the reason why I bring it up is because it's like very fast paced. At the beginning, like it's kind of nonstop, like the story, the plot keeps going. Mm-hmm. And then this episode kind of takes the weird like it, it uh, with Bart becoming the man of the house. And it kind of like is a weird like stop and too cartoony of, of, of the storytelling, right? Like you could have had the whole story just kind of like set on the island with Homer and the mission. And then it comes full circle with Betty White. It's like, and if you love this show, you know, it's doing this nice callback from the beginning. So I imagine like on paper when this episode was written, like everyone's like, oh, this is genius because it's the nice callback to the beginning of the episode. So everything just flows really well. And the stuff with Homer just fucking up this, the society actually is really smart, in my opinion, because the Christians, when they send missionaries to areas where, you know, Christ isn't their Lord and Savior, they go and fuck things up. And this is just like a nice allegory or message of how Christianity just kind of fucked up Native people's lives. Like yeah. If you look at like Central America, like Mexico, right, how the Spanish conquistadors came over. And they wiped out a civilization. They wiped out the the Mayans and the Incans, you know, the the ones that survived assimilated in the Christianity belief. So when you like, you know, go to Mexico, like it's such a Christian based based uh, people. Right. But it's because of 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 the Christianity assimilate assimilation and as much like the United States as well. So the message is that is Homer just fucks up an entire race of people who were probably content and had their own beliefs and had their own ways and were happy with how they lived their life. But because the Christianity forces themselves onto other cultures is a fucked up thing. And so I think that's what kind of the message I get from this episode is like, fuck Christianity, um, support PBS and fuck Mm -hmm. Christianity. Yeah. (laughs) So when I like in my stoner mind of like really analyzing this episode more so than I I think I've done in any episode of The Simpsons, that this episode is now turned around to me of being like, no, it's subtly smart. If I gave it a ranking, uh, we see Homer introducing uh, gambling like craps to the uh, people of the island and um, the hermit crab it lands on a six, but then goes to a 31 between six and 31. I'll give this episode a uh, 21. Ooh, 21 blackjack. Hey, that <laughs> works. Yeah. See, how about you? Craig, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I don't know how, that I cared much for this episode when it first came out, but watching it now, it's really interesting because we've been doing this kind of uh, look at back at season 11 and where it's gone. Like last week we had Maud Flanders dying and it was like that was changing the world of the Simpsons. And so the reality that we knew that's grounded and set in like truth 
that, you know, a character dies and they're dead and that's the end of them. And then you have this episode, which is completely different, in which they're breaking the fourth wall and exploring, like, the reality of our world and how the Simpsons are perceived in it. That's really interesting. But I also really like the points that you make about Christianity and also just what, like, white people do to not white people. Like, Mm -hmm. the casino thing is a good, uh, you know, direct allegory of what we did to indigenous people in the U.S. And, you know, missionary work is incredibly problematic and it does kind of ruin cultures and you know has this weird kind of charity with a caveat which i think is gross and weird and i think that the simpsons do a great job this episode does a great job of illustrating that and making you know homer's ineptitude a really good representation of white america yeah and that's and i think that's really like you say it's very smart because homer simpson is a good like stand in for what america is and mm-hmm. and i think that that's really good and i think you know the way that the episode kind of uh kind of snowballs from being like homer wanting to watch a british sitcom to him ending in an island and then that island becoming a pit of lava somehow and then it's all interrupted by betty white saying give us money i think it's a really fun and weird thing like i don't know if one would consider this to be like quote unquote jumping the shark or whatever being too crazy but i think it's a fun exploration because at this time maybe some of the plots of the simpsons were getting a little tired and i think that this kind of story that is breaking the fourth wall is kind of a fresh idea at the time and i think it's still interesting now and i think that there are some good jokes and some not so good jokes uh some of the humor feels a little bit forced but i think there's some real good humor and i think there's some subtle jokes that aren't obvious like marge buying greeting cards by the pound or reverend lovejoy working on the uh piano or the organ like a mechanic these are just like little things that i think are fun uh so all in all i have a positive view of this episode i think it's interesting i think that they could have gone away gone a direction which would have been a lot more offensive to the native people but i think they have their own agency and they did seem content before homer got there and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's interesting that they seem but fine. Also that point of like Craig and Amy, they already set the seeds of like destroying that culture, but like to them, like, well, they're done with their job. Like they, to them, they have no like second thought about like what they just did. They, there's no repercussions yeah. just because like they blindly follow, you know, their uh, Christian beliefs. Right. And they were so happy to leave without any thought or whatever. You know, it's like celebrities who are billionaires that'll be like on TikTok and saying, Please donate to help the fires of Maui. I'm Oprah and I'm The Rock. Right. We want your money. I We won't use our money, but we want your money. Right. Please give us money. Yeah. So we can donate to it, even though we're yeah. insanely rich. Yeah. Right. That's a really good parallel. Part of the, um, the 1%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that this episode is uh, more, like you say, more intelligent than it needs to be. And I think that uh, it's kind of funny how... At the time, they're talking about PBS being almost a dead media uh, because of cable. (laughs) And now cable is pretty much dead. Yeah. And PBS still exists, probably. Um, But it's just interesting to show how how much media has changed since then. And I I don't know. I think it was a fun watch. It's a really quick paced episode. And I think that they do a lot of good things. So if I had to give it a ranking, they joke that Do Shut Up is the longest running sitcom in (laughs) uh, British history. But in reality, the longest running British sitcom is Last of the Summer Wine, which has been on the air for 37 years. It ended in it started in 1973 and ended in 2010. And they have a whopping 295 episodes. (laughs) Which it averages to be about seven episodes a year. 
So it's just funny that like this show has been on for 37 years and yet they're still in like season 11 of The Simpsons, basically. Right. But that's crazy. So out of 295, I'm going to give this a solid uh, 246. I think it's a good episode. I think it's a watch. I think that it is a good reflection of kind of the weirder places that The Simpsons can go. So I think it's a lot of fun. Pew, pew, pew. Good job to all that worked on this episode. Yep, and uh, hopefully we will also have a good time next week uh, when we continue on with our Season 11 exploration, while we still can, uh, with Episode 16 of Season 11, Pygmalion is what it's called. Uh, Craig, what do you think that episode's about? Well, the word mo is in it, so I think there's a pig that has sex with Mo, the bartender, and... Uh... They have a child together. Okay. The B-plot is a Freaky Friday where uh, Marge and Lisa switch uh, minds and body. So Mm -hmm. I don't know why the Freaky Friday is the B-plot, but that's what it is. Okay. I like it. And also, I wonder if they've done a Freaky Friday with that. That's that's right for some fun. Is it a bit of Treehouse of Horror? It sounds like it should be. Yeah. Uh, But no. uh, So after being labeled too ugly for a Duff beer calendar, Mo goes for plastic surgery and ends up so good looking that he becomes a star of a soap opera. Um, yeah, I do remember this episode. Yeah. So I, I just ma- making the joke, guys. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so uh, we hope that you watch that. And I hope you listen to us uh, next week as you do every week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And hey, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at 138simpsons at gmail.com. And we're also on Instagram at 138simpsons. And you can always check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash at 138simpsons. Hey, check out some uh, merch on our TeePublic site, tpublic.com slash user slash 138simpsons. Leave us a voicemail. Just go through the show's notes. On the bottom, we'll say leave a voicemail. You can just click on that button and uh, do that, too. And hey, if you're so kind, go to your favorite podcasting app. Leave us five stars or the equivalent. But you don't need to write a real review. Just uh, tell us uh, what kind of toads you like to lick. And tell your friends and tell your coworkers and tell your lovers and your friends i just said friends just tell everyone you see on the street hey listen to the annoyed grump boys 138 simpsons podcast now and they will surely do what you say that's right thanks so much for listening for this week i've been annoyed grunt boy steve and i've been annoyed grunt boy craig great now my testicle has ants on it you're a thief a common thief god is powerful but also insecure, like Barbara Streisand before James Brolin.